Hey friends, this is Fun Therapy, and my name is Mike Foster, and together we're going to dive into the messy and brutal, but oh-so-beautiful parts of our not-so-perfect stories, and we're going to do it with a smile. We want to uncover your unseen potential, the sacred value that you possess that you may not see just yet. Why spend another day questioning your worth? Why continue to fight it? Why not surrender to the simple idea that you are good? You are worthy, full of beautiful things. Isn't it time to make peace with yourself and surrender to the joy and good that awaits your life? The battle can be over if you want it to be. And love can be yours today. My name is Mike Foster, and this is Fun Therapy. Friends, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a force of good out there in the world. Can't wait for you to hear from Allison Cook. She's an author and a counselor, and she has a lot to say about how we can quiet the inner critic. But before we talk with Allison, I wanted to remind you that uh, I'm actually going to be in Atlanta next week speaking at the Orange Conference and the Rethink leadership conference. I'm going to be there for four days and I hope to see you there. If you're going, make sure to say hi and love to love just uh, connect with you if you're around. So also all my dates for speaking are at my website, mikefoster.tv. Mikefoster.tv has my schedule, speaking schedule on there. Also, if you want to get in contact with me uh, about speaking or an event or doing a workshop with your team, go ahead and uh, head over to the website. There's a form there that you can fill out. Also, don't forget Strongest Workshop, May 16th and 17th. We're full. I gotta gotta be honest with you, we're full, but I'm gonna sneak a couple extras people in because I know there's probably some of you been waiting, hanging on, still thinking about it right on the edge. Listen, this is the week to do it because I'm gonna close up the registration really soon and just have a couple of extra spots that I'm uh, making available. So if you want to come, you learn how to build habits and life skills to live your strongest life. We'll talk about boundaries and how how to live from a strong identity. We're going to build self-love practices and just create a passionate vision for your life and just to go for it and learn how to do that. So love to have you there. All the information is again at my website, mikefoster.tv forward slash strongest. All right. Uh, thank you also to those who have left reviews on iTunes. I thought I'd read a couple real quick. Liv says this, she says, so good. You will learn a lot and you will feel less alone. That's the greatest summary of fun therapy I've ever heard right there. <laughs> you'll learn a lot and you'll feel less alone. Thank you, Liv, uh, for the review. Also, Molly, says this, she says, amazing fun therapy has helped me learn about myself and how I see and relate to the world. Love that. So listen, if you haven't left a review, haven't given it a rating yet, this is the most helpful thing you can do. If you have enjoyed this podcast and have enjoyed this content, want to see this content keep going out there, uh, take a moment and just rate or, or review it. You can do just one or the other or both. 
And I would very much appreciate that. So head on over to iTunes and do that. Do your thing. I'll wait for you. We can just, we'll wait. And now we're back. Okay. Uh, let me introduce our guest. I can't wait for you to hear from Allison Cook. She's the author of Boundaries for Your Soul with her co-author, Kimberly Miller. And in the book, she helps you navigate the process of placing boundaries around emotions and behaviors that are hindering your life and your relationships. Uh, Allison has a MA in counseling and a PhD in psychology. She's super smart, as you're going to soon learn. Uh, and her book is, I I'm reading it right now. It is terrific. I just uh, picked up a copy and I am loving it. And it teaches how to develop confidence from the inside out, how to transform anxiety into contentment and to turn off that internal negative voice. This conversation will be so helpful for your growth as we learn together to turn overwhelming thoughts and feelings into our greatest allies. And now, this episode of Fun Therapy with author and counselor, Allison Cook. Why did you personally write the book? Like, what was the need that you saw? Well, it's it's a great question. Um, I I wrote it for a couple of reasons. One, the approach that we talk about in the book that has to do with really applying boundaries internally um, with the various parts of your soul, which requires a lot of self-awareness. It requires getting to know yourself. So you kind of know how to balance out different aspects of yourself. Um, that was my journey. That was how I began to process what it meant for me to become whole. Um, I, I knew all about the importance of setting boundaries with other people, interpersonal boundaries, and I could do that. But I still personally struggled a lot with feeling conflicted inside. And mm. so when I, so really the first, you know, the main answer to your question is that came out of my own journey. I was like, oh my gosh, this is helping me be in relationship with myself in a way that I'd never experienced or been able to, to really, you know, after years of studying psychology and all this stuff, you know, I was like, oh, this is how, this is a spiritual practice. This is a way of being with myself and understanding various aspects of myself in a compassionate way. And yet also being able to, you know, what we, we talk about, regulate our emotions or be able to guide or lead myself in all of the, the aspects of who I am. So it really came out of my personal journey. Kim and I, my co-author, we both connected around the specific approach that we write about in the book early on in our friendship. And we were presenting a lot of the materials at retreats, at leadership retreats, primarily for women, and just getting really, really incredible feedback, kind of like, oh, this is sort of the missing piece of the boundaries equation. It's really hard to know how to set boundaries with others if you don't first really have a, a real sense of yourself and your own wants and your own desires and priorities and limitations. And, and so this internal aspect of the work um, was really resonating with people. So that was when we got, we thought, gosh, we need to, we need to write this book. This is, it's based on a model of therapy that's really growing in popularity today. It's called internal family systems. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very spiritual in nature, but it hadn't yet been integrated with a Christian sort of theology or Christian spiritual formation component. So that's what we wanted to do was say, let's take this model that is really helpful and really 
plays upon our strengths um, and our inherent sort of spiritual wisdom <laughs> and and integrate it so that Christians can benefit from from this approach. So tell me more about the the model. Uh, just kind of unpack that a little bit for those those who are listening. Yeah, it's it's called Internal Family Systems. The best if you've seen the movie Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Um, that movie with that, yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. It's such a great movie. I fig- I figured you would like it, Mike. It's um, it's that movie is actually based on the IFS model. It's they loosely based it on this model um, intentionally. Um, and the, it, the idea of Richard Schwartz, who discovered this model, um, really discovered we all do this. And, 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 and you'll notice it in your language once you read the book. We, we're, we're, comp- we're multifaceted beings. We're cre- we are comprised of a lot of different parts. And so what he does is he takes that to sort of the next level and talks about how really there's three categories of parts of the soul that each of us has. We all have what he calls manager parts. And the manager parts are the parts of us that produce and perform and please and look good on the surface and show up for work on time and get things done. And they're the ones that are just kind of trying to keep us going through life. A lot of times there are survival habits. Um, They're good, but they can get extreme. And then we also have this second set of this category of parts called firefighter parts. And these are the parts that put out the flames of painful emotions. So these are the parts of us that want to escape. They want to numb out. They want to grab the bag of chips. They want to binge watch the television, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what happens. And it's really um, accurate in how we live our life. So many of us. So these are the first two categories live our lives bouncing between manager parts and firefighter parts. Our manager parts tell us we should be doing this. We should be doing that. We do all that. We exhaust ourselves. And then our firefighter parts kick in and just take us out, numb us out. We escape. And, and neither, again, neither of those categories is bad. They each serve a, serve a function, but what happens is they get extreme. And then what's, what I love about this model is there's a third category and the third category of parts is called, are called exiles. And these are the vulnerable parts. These are the vulnerable parts of our souls that we all have that we don't want the world to see. There are doubts, our insecurities, our experiences of pain, of trauma, of loneliness. And, and we're so busy, typically, kind of trying to prove ourselves through our manager activities, or numb ourselves out through our firefighter activities, we're not tending to these more vulnerable parts of ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. why they're called exiles, we push them, we want to push them away. And so a healthy soul in balance, where there's healthy boundaries is actually creating a space for all three of these categories to live in harmony and and to to show up as needed in a healthy way. And then the last piece of it in the what Schwartz calls at the center of this, what Schwartz calls the self. And then in our book, we call it the spirit led self, where there is a self, there's an essential you, a God created you at the core of all of this that's going on inside Mm -hmm. of you that actually has the capacity to lead and to sort of be the adult in the room and help you navigate all of these different aspects of who you are. Um, So that's kind of the, the overview, the quick and dirty overview of the model. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I think it's so, it's so helpful just as you think about your life and kind of how you do life. I mean, each part, uh, certainly the manager and firefighter parts of our lives are 
on full display and take up a big portion of of our our mind and in our heart and our actions. But it is that 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 interesting thing of connecting with the vulnerable side of who you are and actually opening up that door. Why is that so? Why do you think? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. You're a counselor, you know, PhD. I mean, you see, you, you've really studied this topic. Why is vulnerability such a difficult thing to tap into uh, in our culture? <laughs> That's a that is a great question. I mean, I I don't know. I think there are many reasons. Um, I think it's universal. I don't. I haven't met someone who, in a healthy way, is eager to face in a really authentic, honest way, or at least expose their vulnerabilities. And and some of it culturally, I think there's a lot of unhealthy vulnerability. What that really mm. is manager driven is I'm going to just bear it all, <laughs> you know. But, yes. but it's not really that authentic space of of sharing honestly and openly. Um, so we, we have some bad examples out there. But then on the other hand, we have a lot in the culture, certainly in the, within the church, and that was really more my story, that that can sort of mm, influence us toward keeping that stuff private. It feels bad. It feels shameful. You know, shame's mm-hmm. a big part of it. It feels like I shouldn't feel this way. And we pick up those messages like... it. It's just whether we just pick up those messages in the air we breathe, whether from our families of origin, from our churches, from our friends, just even from other parts of ourselves. It's almost like we're wired a little bit toward keeping those parts of us hidden. And that's not all bad because, you know, if you think evolutionarily, even we we do need to survive. And if you are to expose your vulnerabilities without wisdom, that isn't going to get you very far. You are going to hurt yourself. You are going to increase um, your, you, you know, you're, you're going to, it's not going to help you. So I, I feel like there's been, it's changing, I think, in our culture. But I think that creating this space where it's healthy and safe to share vulnerabilities um, has started to crack that open a little bit. Yeah, I always, I always kind of look at, at people in the, as kind of two different categories are sort of the oversharers. And those are the people that just vomit all their pain on everybody, right? Every, every detail, every gory aspect of their past history gets thrown onto, you know, Facebook or social media yeah. or something. And, and then there, so there's the oversharers and then there's the undersharers of people who just don't share anything and are so protected and so um, anti-vulnerability. And it really is, I think what you're, what you're advocating for is this, this space, there's a middle way. There's a, there's a place where healthy vulnerability can be lived out, but it's wise. There isn't sort of a, just here's all the gory details. Here I am completely unprotected, right? There is a, there is safe, ways and healthy ways to be vulnerable. Yes. And even when, when exactly, even if you are sharing about a a vulnerable aspect of your story publicly, typically folks who are doing that well have done their work first. Mm -hmm. They're not doing that for the first time. 
they're sharing. And we use the language in the book of speaking on behalf of. So I want to speak on behalf of the vulnerable parts of me, not from them. (laughs) Because when I'm speaking from them, that's when you're experiencing that as me sort of just verbally, you know, throwing them at you. As opposed to when, when I've gained some awareness of these parts of me, I've brought them into the light before God. I've brought them into light before the, a few trusted advisors, people I, who love me and who are walking with me. Then I'm able to speak on behalf of those vulnerabilities in a way that is life-giving, um, both to myself and to others. And so there's a lot of work that goes into, again, inside of yourself first of getting really comfortable with those vulnerable parts of your soul so that you can speak on behalf of them in a way that is helpful in healing. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. I love that idea of just, I've done my work and it's, I'm not, I'm not processing in public. I've, I've really, um, speaking on behalf of the work that I've done versus just kind of spilling my beans in front of everybody and trying, and honestly, we're just trying to heal ourselves in those moments. And we're trying to, um, maybe get, get love or acceptance or being, uh, letting ourselves belong by processing our pain out loud publicly versus I think that there is something about sacred work of um, quietly with a small group of people with safe community that we really begin to do that deep healing and then share it more openly with others. Um, And sometimes we skip that step. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me, um, you know, we, emotions are such a big aspect of who we are. And I think there's a lot of people who, uh, including myself, sometimes get confused about what our emotions mean. What are they telling us? Why are they important? Talk to us a little bit about, about that. Well, I, I think we emotions are built into our DNA and they're neither, you know, the first thing I always say that to people is they're, they're, they just are. They're neither good nor bad. They're a part of who we are. We are emotional creatures. We feel. Um, we feel joy. We feel pain. We feel sadness. We feel anger. And we should feel all of those things. Um, we know that Jesus experienced the full range of emotion. Um, so we know that they're a part of our... They're just wired into us. What happens is emotions are sort of cues, right? They're cues that something's going on either in ourselves or in our environment. And so we have to learn how to pay attention to them and, and listen to them and understand them so that we can lead them or we can act on, again, on behalf of them accordingly. What happens is we often don't know how to do that. And so we become sort of blended with our emotions. Our emotions take us over. And then again, we're in this space of acting from them. And so anger is a great example where anger is a, I, I love, um, I love talking about anger with people because it is a, we know that anger is a healthy emotion. We need anger to survive, but anger is one of those emotions that will take you over and you will do things and say things in the heart of it that you, it's almost like you're like, I don't know who I became. And, and so this is where in the book, we talk about the emotion being too close or too far if you have a healthy relationship with your anger, for example, you learn to recognize it before it takes you out. It's not that you get it to go away. 
you learn to have a healthy distance with it. And this is where we're using the boundaries model of healthy distance, not mm. making it go away, not letting it take you over. You know, you imagine anger like a friend where you want to have a healthy understanding of it so that you can, you can relate to it with respect. It's valuable. Um, and so, and you can learn to do this, uh, you know, with all, sadness is another one. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about, appreciate about this model is it's about containing emotions as much as it's about feeling them. Mm. You don't want the sadness. I'll say to clients who are coming in, especially with trauma, I actually don't want to go too deeply into, you know, I want to, I'll, I'll say, I want to go drop by drop. We want to create a little space for this so that you can experience that pain and that grief as much as you can handle, but so that it doesn't take you over. Because what you, what happens is as you give, create a little space for these emotions, they start to trust you. This internal trust develops where you, you're trusting yourself, but, but what's happening is you're trusting yourself. Wait a minute. There's sadness there. I know that I won't deny that sadness. I will, I need to give space for that sadness. I trust myself that I'll do that. And so I don't need, I'm not going to be sad right now because right now I need to actually focus on this project I have to do for work, you know, but I know there's enough trust within me to know I will come back to that sadness and take a look at it and see what's underneath it. And, and you start to build these relationships with those emotions where you're leading them. You're not making them go away. And that that's what I think is so sort of revolutionary to people about this model. Um, we don't need to make our emotions go away necessarily. Sometimes we need to make, we want them to um, tone down a little bit. <laughs> um, but the louder our emotions are, often that means we've been trying to get them to go away. It's like a kid who's throwing a temper tantrum. And, and we need to pay a little more attention to that emotion, not so that it'll take over, but actually paradoxically, so that it will start to trust us. Hmm. I love, I just, I love that language of, of just our emotions trusting us. And, and as long as we're burying them or covering them up or having them control our lives, then, um, we aren't in a trustworthy relationship with them. I know like for me, uh, anger, I love, I love talking about anger because number one, within kind of faith communities, anger is always frowned upon. Yeah. It's always like, if you're angry, then you're not a very spiritual person or you're not, you don't love Jesus or whatever, whatever the, the sort of religious uh, ideas are about anger. But I know for me personally, uh, I struggle with codependency for, for most of my life still do. I'm, I'm in a code of 12, 12 step and anger for me was such an important emotion to actually breaking codependency. Like yes. I actually let allowed it to fuel uh, me stopping the codependent relationships and the enmeshment that I was in with people by allowing the anger actually help helping me unhook from that. And so these, these emotions, like to your point, emotions are neutral. They, and their cues and can be leveraged for our good. And I think the other thing that you said about so often we're defined by our emotions, like we use that, that language 
you know, I'm an angry person or I'm a depressed person. And really it's, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling depressed. And sometimes we give too much uh, of our identity to an actual emotion. Talk to me about that of just how our identity, how we can really be separating our identity from the things that we feel or even the things that we've experienced or gone through in our lives. Yes, absolutely. You're saying that so well. I would, what I would say to someone is a part of you is depressed Mm -hmm. and it feels like all of you. It feels like all of you. And it's a big part of you right now, even, you know, I get it. I don't want to minimize it. It's a huge part of you that's taken you over, but fundamentally at your core, you are not a depressed person. You are mm. a, a, a beautiful soul created in the image of God yes. who horrible things have happened to or you know whatever the thing is that has caused this overwhelming sense of depression to take you over, but it's not who you are. And that's a huge part of, of the work that I'm doing with people all the time is differentiating, peeling back the layers of those parts of us. And, and the bigger that feeling is, the more attention in a sense it needs it needs to be recognized i get it i see you i get that it's there it's not part of it's not all of who you are Well, friends, I just wanted to jump in here real quick and let you know we just released some new dates for my Rescue Academy training where I teach you how to coach and counsel those you influence. It's a two-day workshop and it's wonderful. If you're in leadership at any level, whether you're uh, leading an organization, leading people, leading a family, whoever you're leading, this Workshop is all about equipping you with simple yet powerful tools that you can use to coach friends, your teenagers, coworkers. I'll show you how to maximize your, your natural gifts and build a life counseling toolkit that can be used in any situation. It's uh, think of this workshop as 50% leadership development, 50% personal development, 100% awesome. I'd love for you to join us. We're uh, here in San Diego. This July, for more information, visit rescueacademy.com. That's rescueacademy.com. And now, back to my conversation with Allison Cook, author of Boundaries for Your Soul. So, I'm sure a lot of the work that you do and the the clients that you see or the people that you're helping so much of who we are as adults is shaped uh, in childhood and uh, specifically trauma from childhood. Let's say somebody right now is listening and there's some things in their, their past that they know are there that they have just figured out how to do life by ignoring it or burying it or not welcoming that what would be some appropriate uh, maybe simple beginning steps to begin to move into those spaces so the first you know the very first step 
I would say is to start to get curious. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I I like the word get curious is so many of us, if you're struggling, and maybe you've had something really hard from early on in your life, or it's been a struggle that's been with you for a long time, almost always with that is a very active inner critic. Is a very active part of you that wants to beat you down and wants to tell you, why can't you move past this? Why can't, you know, all of that kind of self-talk that we all do. And so what I encourage people always, first of all, is just start to get curious. What is it that you feel without judgment, without censorship? You don't have to go all the way into the feeling, but just notice. Start to almost become an observer of yourself. Um and, and can you even, and then this is the next step that is harder for people because it's counterintuitive, but can you even extend compassion toward the part of yourself that is struggling and that's been maybe struggling for a very, very long time? Because you don't, we don't tend to change or transform in the context of criticism and so often we're our own worst critics. Now, oftentimes there's criticism in our environments. We've picked that up naturally. But the first place we have to start being with ourselves in a different way is to take ourselves right where we are. This is where I am. This is where I am. And I'm going to start today by getting curious. Well, okay, this is what I do. I don't like it that I do it, but I wonder why. You know, just that attitude of starting to seek to understand without an agenda you know, without putting pressure on yourself. That's, that's really where this all starts. I love that, Allison. That's so good. I, I always say like, if you can't, if you can't get curious, you can't get free. And I, I, that idea of just bringing curiosity, asking a question, noticing what's going on uh, in our actions, inside our body, inside our mind, just getting curious, like asking, like, wonder what that, wonder what that means. or wonder what that is. Uh, is so important. And then the compassion part, I know for me, with a lot of my, my own work, like I, I didn't like the person, the weak, vulnerable person. I didn't like the yeah. being broken. And I didn't like the, I didn't like the story that I had. Mm-hmm. And so I brought a lot of judgment to it and and struggled for years around that. And it wasn't until you can begin to love really the, the, the inner child, the, the, the little boy who went through all the stuff. Yeah. And um, it's not until we can get that place that I think we can really be healed. So tell me, um, you know, we talk, we're talking about boundaries and emotions and the, the pathway to healing. Talk to me about who is a safe person? Who is a, who's a person that we should be opening up to and who's a person that maybe we should not be opening up to? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Gosh, that's a great question. So a couple of things Um, to go back to the word. And I know you use this word a lot, which I love about what you do on this podcast, but people who are curious, right? People who are curious don't tend to have an agenda. They're just interested in who we are and they take us as we are. So that's number one. Um, I think that it can vary a little bit by personality, but people who can be with you 
And, and by that, I mean, especially if you're sharing something for the first time, if you're sharing something that's very vulnerable, you, you have a radar for this. So pay attention inside of yourself, even as we're talking about this, right? Like you, you might even be noticing yourself, I don't want to talk to that person because they always try to fix me. Or I don't want to tr- talk to that person because they always try to give me advice. Or that person always makes me feel like my feelings don't matter. And they kind of one up me and tell me, oh, I have it worse than you do, right? You have a sense of that inside. And listen to that. that that's a mm-hmm. vulnerable part of you giving you information. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're bad yep. people. It means there's a part of you that's like, that doesn't feel safe to me. We often have the answer to that question within us. Um, I know that for me, I look for folks who will listen and digest and be slow to speak, quick to listen, um, who will listen, again, with curiosity and without judgment, um, who might, you know, a quality I really value is are folks who will listen and then say, you know, I want to think about that. Can we come back to this conversation? You know, they're, they're, they're slow to just chime in, especially with our deeper deeper fears and vulnerabilities. These are tender places in our soul and they're worthy of respect and they're worthy of, of being heard all the way through. Um, there is a place for advice. There is a place for practical solutions, right? All there's, there, there's a place for all of those things, but you kind of know inside of you, especially, like I said, when, when there are, fresh things, new things, or maybe things you haven't shared a lot, where you kind of need to test the waters and just put it out there in a really, in an environment where there's going to be love and acceptance and understanding, full stop. And then as you feel more comfortable and confident in your in yourself, then you take those steps toward, okay, gosh, you know, make, now I see that person out there. They're doing something I really respect. They seem to know something about what I've gone through. I might ask them a question about how they did that. Um, mm. But I really so good. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea of just um, anybody who's moving too quickly with you. It would be a red flag yeah. or a yellow flag for sure. Yeah. Like, like. I think, and I think we do that a lot with, with our friends. Like we want to, we want to be good heart healers. Maybe people are sharing something with us and what we're, what we're probably not understanding in that conversation as a listener is the whole idea of this has been decades in the making in terms of what they're about to share. And for me to sort of pop in and start giving my opinion after the first five minutes or first 10 minutes does seem to be a bit in, inappropriate in terms of, uh, you know, giving, trying to give advice in that moment and really making sure that we do go slow, uh, that, that we don't rush people. And, that, and then if I'm on the other side, if I'm the person sharing that, it's okay for me to take my time. And I feel like I'm with a person who's not rushing me, who's not... Um, trying to move me along to get to some quick fix or solution to my problem. Yeah. And sometimes people don't, I mean, listening is such an underestimated art. It's so important. The value of being witnessed, just seen, mm-hmm. heard, right? That people don't realize how, how I forget that, you know, even in my work, I realize, oh my gosh, this, per, this, all this person needs is a witness right now. 
is the power of my presence that I am here with them as they are telling me this, the story of their pain. And, and not everybody's going to know how to do that. So you can, you can cue people who, you, okay, I think this is a safe person, but you can cue them and say, I'm going to share something with you. Would you just listen to me in this yes, moment? You can, so good. you can also help people. I did a, um, a two-year retreat program where that was based on listening. And so it was structured listening. It was so powerful. So I experienced this firsthand for myself where, and, and I've tried to bring this into different small groups, you know, different church groups that I work with, this idea of active listening, not active listening in the same way that most of us know about it, but what, what the process would be is you'd, you'd get 10 minutes to share and then um, someone would be a timer and you'd just sit in silence with that person for a minute prayerfully, just, just being with them. And then you do another round. Is there anything else? Is, you know, is there anything else? And the person who's sharing gets a couple more minutes. And then you do another round um, of silence, a minute or so. And then the listeners reflect what they heard using actual words that you said. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and there are lots of different models for this. And then finally, at the end of this, there, there's still not advice, but there's there's this layer of a little bit of insight. Here's what I see, and maybe a little bit of connecting the dots. But it's not till after a, a, a significant length of time has passed where the person has just simply been heard. Mm. And I, I love that. That's It's such a powerful approach that, and again, when we're, we're kind of using this model, especially these vulnerable parts of us, Oftentimes they've been exiled. That's the whole, they've been shoved aside. And so when we chime in quickly, we're just shoving them aside again. And what we want to do is create space for these parts to just feel welcome, to feel heard. For more information on Allison, in her amazing book, Boundaries for Your Soul, which I'm reading right now, and it's terrific. I've been highlighting and underlining all kinds of stuff. Make sure to go to Amazon.com. It's available there or wherever books are sold, Boundaries for Your Soul. Also, I want to encourage you to connect with Allison at her website. She has a lot of great resources, free resources there that I, I know would help you and that you would thoroughly enjoy. Her website address is Allison Cook phd.com allison a-l-i-s-o-n cook c-o-o-k phd.com she has a free ebook and audio guide on how to tame your inner critic she also has a free assessment and a five-step u-turn process for transforming your troubling thoughts all that's free on her website some really great resources over there i encourage you to check it out at allison cook phd.com and don't forget about our book on amazon amazon uh boundaries for your soul well if you've enjoyed this episode please take a moment and just share it with your friend and followers and whoever you influence just screenshot your phone right now and post it tag me in it if you're on instagram at mike foster 2000 also uh head on over to my website mikefoster.tv for Uh, my speaking, upcoming speaking events, and workshop information. You get all my resources, too, at my website, mikefoster.tv. 
And just want to say thanks to Sleeping at Last for providing the amazing, wonderful, incredible, there's not enough adjectives to describe Sleeping at Last music, but so thankful for him being a part of this podcast every single week. You can get all of Ryan's music at sleepingatlast.com. And remember, no matter what has happened in your story, that your setbacks can become your superpowers and honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast.